Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Believe in Badgers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins. Uh, no Hebrew Hammer today. He is on the injured list for today with flu-like symptoms and no voice. Can't really do a podcast with no voice. Called in the lefty out of the pen. Actually, he might be a righty. I don't know if he's a lefty or righty. Doesn't <laughs> matter. It's our great friend, David Foff. David, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, thanks. Uh, super excited to fill in for Bernie. Um, loved my first time on the podcast, so wanted to jump into action, uh, you know, and, and and help you guys out. Uh, so we're going to have a great show today. I'm super excited for our, our guest, um, you know, as we kind of go on the, the tour of the Wisconsin football coaches now. Um, so super excited to have our guest today. So. Yes, we've got outside linebackers and special teams coach. Matt Mitchell, Coach Mitchell, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, this this is really exciting. Bernie's super bummed about missing this this one because he, I think every episode last year in the last season, he complained that they didn't have a special teams coach and the Badgers didn't have a special <laughs> teams coach. And the units, let's face it, the Badger special teams unit weren't the best this past year. We'll get into that in a little bit. But before we get started, want to remind you guys that we are presented by betonline.ag, where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it over there at betonline.ag. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit using our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V over at betonline.ag. Bet online where the game starts. But we want to get to know you first, Coach, because I like to do my research doing uh, on, on this. You were college roommates with Coach Tressel. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a relationship that spanned over thirty years. We both uh, played uh, small Division three football mm-hmm. in the state of Iowa and uh, started a relationship there. And then after college, we both branched out, you know, professionally and kind of headed in different directions. Um, I think probably. The relationship continued to strengthen. I was the head football coach at Grand Valley State University uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And he was over at Michigan State um, with uh, Mark D'Antonio and the crew over there. So that was only about an hour and a half drive. And so, uh, you know, I think there was really an opportunity for us to, you know, not only uh, spend a lot of time personally, but a lot of professional time. You know, I'd go over there. They were very open at Michigan State. There was a lot of times where professional development, uh, you know, I spent a time with Mike, too. And so, you know, just kind of how things work. Um, you know, I, I actually talked to my position group the other day about, you know, college football, lifelong friendships. Um, definitely one of those things that uh, came into play. And obviously uh, there's a professional aspect to our relationship too, which we both respect those boundaries and understand that. But uh, yeah, I've known him for 30 years and it's been a great relationship. Okay. So what is, what was the, what was your first impression of him when you first met him? Well, he was a, uh, he was a two sport athlete actually um, at the place he went to. So he was an all American wrestler at Cornell college, right? Yeah. Cornell's college. So when I we got there, you know, he was, uh, he was coming from the twin cities. I grew up on a farm uh, in, the, in the state of Colorado. So we had some different backgrounds a little bit, but I think, 
more than anything, just kind of, you know, bonded over the, uh, over the athletic things. And also, uh, you know, he was a really good student. I, academics mattered to me. And so we both had similar interests in terms of trying to have that balance being great students and athletes. And so, you know, you find that those guys, um, you know, try to gravitate towards people that are like you in regards to their interests and their disciplines. And that was somebody that, uh, you know, was able to do that with. Yeah. I mean, it's been, I think that, I just think that's so cool that you guys still have this relationship. I mean, Fa, like, I know that you, I mean, you've been out for a couple of years now, but I know that those relationships that you established as a Badger are still a, like, you know, that's your job now also, and B, you know, are a driving factor in with the people that you spend time with. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, so my girlfriend and I were actually able to, uh, go to uh, the Badgers practice last weekend. Great weather, and uh, she kind of we're we're walking through, and I'm I'm seeing everybody, you know, and it's just it's a generational thing, right? So I'm talking to players that uh, you know are are way older than me, you know, and some are still on the team. Um, and and we're kind of walking through, and she goes, "Man, you're you're like these are like your war buddies," and I'm like, "Yeah, it is," you know. It's a it's a really it's a, it's a great way to to bond with folks, you know, over over you know just athletics and and you're kind of doing this thing, you're trying to figure out college at the same time, um, and and football, right? It's kind of that small community, no matter how big the actual community is. So, yeah, I know it, it's it's it, that's I mean I I think that's absolutely fascinating that you guys sort of took these two paths and now have been able to reconnect and. You were at Grand Valley State for a long, long time, extraordinarily successful. There, I mean, you were there, what, 19 seasons, the last, what, 13, I think you were the head coach, if I'm, if I'm not correct. That is a huge, and that's a huge jump to go from Division II to FBS football. So my first question is just what inspired you uh, to make, to finally make that jump? What made you think that this is the right time to do that? Yeah, no, you're accurate. I was a defensive coordinator there and I was an assistant for six years. And then I was the head coach for 13 seasons. And, um, you know, there've been, uh, uh, a few professional opportunities to come my way, but wasn't really necessarily the right fit. And I felt that this opportunity when it was presented by coach fickle was a great fit. Um, you know, on, on a lot of different levels, I think, first of all, you know, um, Wisconsin football from the outside, I've not been a part of it, but I had a tremendous amount of respect for the tradition, the history within this program you know, 21 straight winning seasons, a lot of things that have occurred. It's been really consistently good over the course of time. So I saw, you know, I saw that, um, you know, I feel like Madison, Wisconsin is an awesome town. I visited here once and I felt like it'd be a great place to raise a family. And uh, you could definitely tell uh, from the outside, not a part of it, but the entire state of Wisconsin and everybody really loves the Badgers. There's a lot of uh, state support and community support, which I uh, very much valued. It was kind of the, you know, the, the college football show here in the state. And then, the last piece was uh, Coach Fickle and the staff that uh, you know had that knew him a little bit. I hadn't really ever worked with him, but really felt strongly that this place um, had had a lot of success. But he was going to be able to come in here and just kind of take that a little bit higher and just elevate it, you know. And uh, felt that uh, this was going to be an awesome fit. And professionally for me, um, you know, it, it was also time just to be transparent. You know, 13 years as a head coach. Um, it, uh, there's a lot that goes into that. And, uh, I was looking for a little bit of a change professionally and just, uh, you know, trying a little different focus, you know, you're dealing with not dealing with, but you're in charge of 120 players and, you know, strength staff and assistant coaches, and you have a big picture view, uh, very much want the opportunity to, uh, you know, get a little, my focus a little bit more narrow and, uh, be around some, uh, excellent football coaches on both sides of the ball. Cause I, you know, knew they were hiring some great coaches on offense too. And I felt like that would be 
time for me to grow. And again, to be honest and transparent, could have probably stayed there and just written it out and uh, had a comfortable existence. Uh, but I think a lot of times as coaches, we push our players to have a growth mindset, to push themselves in uncomfortable situations, to try to improve themselves and grow and be the best they can be. And uh, so, you know, I, I, you say that, and then when you have an opportunity to deny it, um, that would not really be living the message that you're preaching. And so I felt like this was for me something to do. And uh, I have a wife and two kids and I, uh, they've been made a lot of sacrifices. I think them having me a part of Wisconsin game days and around this program too, can have a lot of residual benefits uh, from my family. Sure. So I actually had the pleasure of going to the WFCA conference um, a couple of weeks ago and, and had the pleasure of, of talking and, and listening to coach Tressel um, and, and coach Scruggs um, and, and a couple other individuals. And I don't, I don't think we actually met there, uh, but you know, my question just, you know, learning kind of a little bit about their brand of football and, and you coming in now to this um, and special teams being, you know, very important. It's, it's one third of the game, you know, that, that, that you can always tell when someone's a real football mind, when they always drop that because it's so important. What's going to be your brand for, for special teams? What's going to be the, the, not the secret sauce, but the sauce, like what is, what is it? What are we going to be known for? Yeah. So I, you know, I think, um, a lot of people talk about culture. We we're we're working to uh, you know working to establish a culture on special teams. It's got to fall in line with the overall team culture. Um, you know, a lot of people use the, the term culture, but really define it. We we talk about it as shared beliefs, shared behaviors, and so I think special teams. Um, you know, from the first thing, I think can have a big impact on the program because a lot of times, sometimes in college football, you can have divisions between offense and defense. I mean, it's just pretty natural, just with between position meetings and the competition. And so uh, I think special teams an opportunity. We've been using the word synergy to try to create, um, you know, an understanding that we have offensive defensive players working together on those units. I think it can help your overall team culture just in regards to this being a team and not uh, two separate units. So that, you know, I, we always try to frame special teams that the two coverage units kick off a punt. They're the first snap of a defensive series. The two return units are the first snap of, a, of an offensive series. So really they're, not independent operators. They're not their own things. They're an extension of our defense and offense. And so if you're a defensive player, you should be very much invested in how our two coverages are performing and vice versa offensively. And uh, what we're trying to do is, is really, you know, we have three things we think can impact the game. I think first thing is obviously field position. We have standards that we want to do to try, try to create field position. Next thing is try to limit explosives and create explosives. And then try to find the snaps that are game changers. And, you know, to be transparent, when you look the last year, going through all the cutups, there just weren't really many game changing plays on special teams, you know, whether that's a punt return, a kick return, you know, we had one in the bowl game uh, against Oklahoma state, a long return, but you know, there wasn't necessarily a thing that could spark or change a game. Now at the same time, I want to be transparent. We're not reaching for those. We're not going to uh, try to do things out of character to give things up. But I think if you stick with the process and you find great players and put them in position, those game changers can occur. Um, and I think the other thing that's unique here is this is not a one man show. Um, Luke Fickle is very much involved uh, in the special teams and um, you know, Colin Hitchler, our safeties coach too, is working with us. So there's three of us that are all involved with it. And a lot of the other coaches are, are super intense in regards to the individual drills and the things we're trying to do with that. And I know one thing that, you know, Luke Fickle, he's going to, there will be starters playing on special teams. There will be starters, you know, Braylon Allen right now is doing some stuff on the front line of our, our punt team. And he is, uh, he's doing some things in drill work. So it's not like, you know, you have an all big 10 back that just sit on the sidelines watching special teams. And I think Braylon is, is setting a great standard for us right now by attacking the drill work and special teams 
that sends a residual message everybody in the program that uh, you know these are important and nobody is is uh, you know not going to be doing them like we're all going to be heavily involved in it so we have a brand that's internal we have a culture we have a graphic we have some music we have some things that uh, you know this <laughs> That kind of you know we we flip switches from one meeting to the next and we have some cues that flip those switches so some of those audio visuals some are actions and so we're building that you know, to try to create that um and so yeah it's been uh it's been good you know i think up to this point and we're really stressing that in fact one of the practices we're going to do after the launch on april 22nd is going to be really a special teams you know focus an entire practice where we're just really working on those teams and try to put on tape and really for us right now as coaches we're we're evaluating individuals. You know, we're trying to see who are the individuals that can fit in those pieces and help us out. That's great. That's great. You know, you, you touched on, you know, Braille and Allen, um, even, even doing some, some great things on special teams. Um, what has been kind of the approach for, cause I know special teams is a really great transition for, for getting guys to, you know, make, hopefully make that bus right to, to contribute something special. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what has that process been um, with spring ball, you know, have have you been able to, you know, kind of recruit the the see the guys that that you want to see and kind of br- bring them in uh, to the special teams meetings? Um, or how has it looked? I guess. Yeah, I mean, so obviously, like besides O line, D line, <clears throat> the quarterbacks, everybody's in the special teams meetings, and uh, you know, one of the big things we talk about how the impact that you can have on your we, we talk about impact on our program. We talk about impact on a game. And we also talk about impact on your career. Clearly, we try to draw some parallels. And I have a lot of slide decks where I show guys that maybe were undrafted free agents that had multiple year careers. And a lot of us because they made, you know, special teams was one of the things that made their mark on. But not looking too far ahead, what we're really trying to talk about, especially with some of our younger players, David, is the fact that uh, if, if you can put a product on tape, you can earn trust from your coaches and, and the players. And so we, we're talking about earning trust, like, Across the board, everybody here has got to earn the right to play. You got to earn the opportunity to get out there on that field offensively, defensively. But to your point, I think there's some opportunity that maybe if you're the, you know, you're in the two deep, but you're the last safety that you might have an opportunity to put a product on tape that starts to, you know, get the coach saying, hey, this guy's doing good stuff. His teammates see it. Maybe that provides and gets you a window of more opportunities to play within the rotation on defense. So we've definitely illuminated that. And, uh, you know, we're finding that balance and making sure starters understand this is important, but also pushing the younger guys too to say, hey, this is an opportunity for you to potentially get out there and start to build some trust. I know you're not supposed to have favorites, but do you have a favorite special teams unit? Do I have a favorite special teams? Yeah, unit? I know you're yeah. not supposed to have favorites, and I know you're not, you, you probably, but do you have a favorite? Like, do you have one that's like most, like that you think is most fun to coach or just most fun for you to watch? Yeah, well, I, I think you could tell a lot about a team on how they cover kickoffs. And, you know, I know there's, uh, you know, there's touchbacks and things like that. But really, we talk about the strain, uh, the arm violence, um, the way in which you run down the field. We don't we're, we're here. We don't run around blocks. We run through people. Um, and so that has to be a mindset in terms of how we take those things on, especially in the back end. And even if it's a touchback, I think that violence, that arm strain, the way that you cover, the way you take on blocks, I think it could be an indication of the type of football program that you have. Um, when you pop on special teams tape, you can kind of take a look at big picture. A, do they value that within a program? But B, you can try to get a sense of like the type of athletes and their intent on those things. So I would say that probably um, is one that, you know, to be honest with you, like from a scheme standpoint, there's a couple things you can do on kickoff. But really, it's about you know, the players and the strain and the violence and them wanting to get after it. And uh, I think that's a unit that, you know, 
you can find 10 guys plus the kicker, but if you find 10 guys who want to run down with that violence and things to set the tone, I think that that can really start a game and start a half, you know, not diminishing the return units, but man, if you can get down there and get that going and get that defensive series started, right. I think that just sets a physicality and a tone for the entire game. Yeah. Especially if, you know, you can stop them inside their own 20, right. Get, get them at the 15, get them at the, mm-hmm. the 12 back, or whatever. Yeah, have them it's back to up. the field position thing, hundred mm-hmm. percent, just a high correlation to average starting field position and uh, points per drive are such a high correlation. We've got to, we got to flip fields with the punt team and the kickoff team. Believe in Badgers is excited to be brought to you by Infinigods. Infinigods is a gaming studio with a suite of free, fun-to-play games centered around ancient mythologies and civilizations. Visit Infinigods.com to play their first game, Infinimerge, and learn about their upcoming tower defense game. Play for fun or play to compete and take your shot at winning digital collectibles. That's Infinigods at Infinigods.com, unleashing the power of blockchain games. All right. Well, as much as we all love talking about special teams, you are also the coach of what has effectively become the glamour position for the Wisconsin defense over the past decade. And that's outside linebackers. I mean, I mean, Fof, I mean, you played with some of the best, you know, we we've seen, you know, Nick Herbig, TJ Watt, you know, Andrew Van Gilbert. Yeah. Everybody. everybody. Vaughn. Like, you know, we can go on and on. um, But you're coaching what is, like we said, the glamour position on the Wisconsin defense or has been. Um, what does that mean to you to take over this group? Do you feel sort of a pressure to continue that legacy? And what excites you about the group that you're taking over? I certainly have a ton of respect for that position. I mean, I just walk in the outside linebacker room and all those names you see are on the wall. And um, you know, that was pretty cool too. TJ Watt had the uh, came back into town and once uh, spent uh, you know spent a morning with uh, the outside linebackers and had a chance to meet him. Just sit in there and I was just a sponge listening to some of his experiences too. And so I think that's pretty cool about you know Wisconsin football too. I, I want to say before I get going too much on the outside linebackers is that a lot of new coaches, different coaching staff, but um, the current players and a lot of former players have been very open. Um, they've been really um, been great just in terms of the transition that's occurred with a lot of the, you know, the head coach down to the assistant coaches, but no, I, I don't, I don't, wouldn't use the word pressure. I think that uh, I have high expectations uh, for that room. Um, those expectations are driven by the tradition, the history of this place. I think those expectations are also internally driven for us to try to be the best that we can be. So I don't call it pressure. I just call it expectations. And, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, fortunate to walk in, into a room where we have a guy like CJ Getz, who's played a lot of football last year and was a productive player. And so you kind of lean on him. And then, you know, we've got some newer faces, whether it's a transfer like Jeff Petrowski or guys that have played a little bit like Caden Johnson and Daryl Peterson in the past that we are attempting to try to, you know, work to um, get them elevated. And TJ Bowlers has taken a lot of reps and I could go through all the guys. I'm not going to do it, but a lot of guys are getting opportunities. I think we've, we've had a few injuries at that position this spring too. Uh, there's been some guys that have missed multiple practices and that happens. It's football, especially when we are very physical at our practices. I mean, we run, inside drill every single day and uh we don't back away from anything on on o-line or d-line or outside linebackers and so you know those things happen but i think the, the positive of that is it's provided a lot of opportunities for guys to get a lot of reps and put a product on tape that earns them the right to play so there's work to be done uh, i would tell you that you know heading into it's the depth chart is not established i think we still have work to be doing i don't know that we're at a championship level right now in regards to our performance and uh, I'm motivated to get that there. And I think the players are motivated to get that there too. And 
that's a process we're going through that uh, right now. We're right in the middle of spring ball. Um, people don't feel great, but we're pushing through that to try to put a product on tape. Yeah, I, I think it, I, th I think that is, I, I like what you say about expectation, expectation not in, in not pressure, right? Um, and so one of the questions that I want to ask you is, how is the position different from the three, four that they've run for the past decade? What is, what are the most similar things about the way that you guys are utilizing outside linebackers and what is the biggest transition? Yeah. So I think, you know, we definitely came in and, um, you know, we wanted to try to, first of all, fit the scheme to the current players. And there was some returning, like I said, with CJ and some guys, like there's some returning experience at that position. So a lot of respect for the previous staff, both uh, coach Leonard, coach April for that position. So we, Definitely blended some of the things that those outside linebackers did well within the scheme. And then clearly there's some things that coach Trestle and coach fickle believe in from, they brought with them uh, from previous stops uh, that we're trying to blend in some of those things. So I think, you know, the thing about uh, the outside linebackers is, uh, you know, I would argue I'm being selfish. It, it requires the most different skill sets of probably any position on the team. Um, we have to be able to set edges in the run game. We've got to be effective in pass rush. Uh, we drop into coverage for some zone coverages. We drop and cover tight ends and tailbacks, man. And then we run pressures. Sometimes we run pressures inside and we run pressures off the edge. So really trying to find kind of that, you know, five tool player that can do all of those things efficiently. That requires a lot of different skills. And our skill set is a, is a very diverse skill set. And you have to spend a lot of time honing those different skills and ultimately trying to, at the end of spring, trying to put players in position where highlight some of the things that they're the best at. Um, if we've got some guys that are lead pass rushers, then we need to try to find opportunities to get them to do that. And if they set great edges in the run game, try to do that. And but you know, let's go through all the things. So it's a it's a it's a very diverse position. I think it had some diversity previously at uh, Wisconsin. I think we've added to that. We've put a few more things on their plate. Um, you know, especially with uh, you know, we're running a little bit of a, a three three defense, and so that's a little bit new in terms of picking up where they fit into that and how they transition into that that front and how we can jump back and forth and be multiple between a three down and, and also running what had been run here previously. And so we're spending time trying to hone those skills. So can you, um, you know, I, as a former player, not being too um, removed, you know, I'm always curious about like how, how you guys conduct meetings and like what your, what, what that internal, you know, day-to-day -day operation type stuff, it looks like for you. Um, Cause I know, you know, we spend a lot of times in meetings and, and I think yeah. that's really where guys can, can, can show you and, and, and prove to you that they know what they're talking about and they, they, they have something to contribute. Um, you know, can you, can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, so we're practicing uh, currently Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays, as you guys well know, and then um, <clears throat> Monday, Wednesday, Fridays are pretty heavy with lifts and a lot of meetings. Uh, I try to conduct meetings again. I've been coaching college football for 23 years and I, I, it's not me just lecturing. I mean, I'm, I'm pressing guys all the time. You know, even when a guy's not taking a rep, I'll ask another guy, what is alignment assignment is visual key. What are the things you got to do? And so we try to create uh, an edge and a sense of urgency in the meeting um, that kind of, I think can reflect upon what it's like on the field a little bit too. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I think we, we do a great job with technology trying to bounce back and forth with uh just the, the video and some odd and, and the visuals that we have and just kind of bouncing mm -hmm. back and forth and just trying to create a stimulus in that meeting room that provides growth and guys are growing and continuing learning. So, um, you know, at the same time too, I think those meetings, there has to be, you know, there's 10 of us in the meetings. I have nine players myself. 
Um, there's also got to be a, a sense of brotherhood. We're trying to establish that too. You know, I took, yeah, I think we have to have connection points that occur outside the meetings and taking the guys to dinner and just trying to find those times too. You played where it's, uh, you know, not always uh, super intense and it's crazy. Like there also has to be some times where um, you bond a little bit, you know, you just spend a little time and I'm not in the locker room. I'm not a player, but at the same time, I do value some, I do value the relationships I have with my players and it's a coach athlete relationship. I'm not their friend. I'm not their buddy. I'm not their guy, um, but it can be, uh, it can be a great relationship where um, I try to, you know, mold them, help them grow. And again, we're a little bit, I'm a little bit older. I've had a lot of experiences. And I think we take a look at our staff. We have a staff that is a veteran staff with a ton of experience. We, we know how to, uh, you know, we've had a lot of experience with student athletes in terms of helping grow. And when you have a guy that's maybe struggling, a one-on-one conversation in the office, those type of things, I mean, you just have to navigate all those relationships. And what you're trying to do is get performance. And whether it's a collective meeting, an individual meeting, it's a walkthrough, you're trying to get uh, the players to be their best. I tell them all the time, I kind of work for them. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm their guys trying to get them to be as good as they can possibly be. Uh, for the short term for Wisconsin football, because I know winning is a big part of the experience and you've been in winning locker rooms. It's hard to really replicate that anywhere else. And so I think they'll have a better experience the more games we win. And so that's ultimately what we're trying to do is put a product on tape at the outside linebacker position that, that gets us to compete for championships and a standard of play. And so if I can get them to that, then they'll have a great experience. And sometimes those are tough conversations, but they have to happen. It's the truth. And uh, that's the way I always approach things with the players. And I think at the end of the day, great players respect the truth. Um, they don't want to be coddled. They don't want to be patted on the back and told false because they can see through the stuff that's BS. And so I'm very direct and pretty straightforward. I think most great players appreciate that. Sure. No, I can definitely resonate and identify with that. Um, you know, getting into coaching myself, I think that's 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 one of the the main themes that is tried and true, right? You know, working for the players, but making sure that the standard is the standard. And they're going to be tough conversations, you know, but to to have that overall theme of, hey, you know, we're trying to be the best team here. Um, so you need to pull your weights. You know, that that always kind of centers everyone. Um, I'm curious. So, you know, you talked about, um, you know, you're in Coach Tressel's relationship and, and caring about that ap- academic piece. And I don't think this this gets talked about enough in college football. Um, what you know, what is, what is, um, your relationship with, with academics now that, um, you're at a, such a prestigious school like Wisconsin, um, you know, and talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely been, um, one of the transitional pieces, educational pieces for me is the, um, the high academics here. I mean, I knew it from the outside clearly you can read about that, but just, uh, you know, again, with the players and understanding the expectations that occur academically and, you know, I think that's great. I think that, um, you know, that, that that's like, I wouldn't want to coach at a place that had low standards academically, because if we're just a football factory and all we produce is football players, we're not really helping them in regards to, you know, getting them prepared for things when they're done with football. So, you know, there's a team of people that help here. We have great academic support. Um, you know, we have meetings on a weekly basis about all of our players in terms of how they're doing. Um, and again, like I've got a very disciplined crew. And so we are staying on top of things academically, but um, you know, it is, uh, the message from the head coach on down is that in regards to academic performance, we're not putting that on our academic support staff. They're going to work with the coaching staff, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, it's our responsibility as coaches to know, um, and how our guys are performing academically and checking in, in with them. And so that's part of this process of the growth and development is making sure that we're taking care of our business and doing the things we need to do academically, because yeah, it's, uh, you know, obviously a goal to try to get an education. I tell players all the time, everybody talks about degrees, 
not diminishing that, but the degree is what you get at the end of the education. So why don't you just be really focused on that education and that path and the journey of the day-to-day? And if you're really into those details on a day-to-day basis, at the end of it, you'll get a degree. Quit having your focus and talk about degrees, talk about education. And I think the education at Wisconsin occurs not only in the classroom. I think there's things that occur outside the classroom. I'm certainly convinced that there's an education that occurs playing football. And so the total experience in regards to that education can lead to a more well-rounded um, person when they get done here that will have a degree from this university. No, I think that's great. And I think, uh, you know, it's really valuable to to hear that from, from a coach, you know, because I think that kind of gets lost sometimes in the noise of college football. Um, so that's really great. Um, curious now, you know, one of the last things I always like to to ask folks, right, is is kind of Mount Rushmore style questions, right? Who who in you know the in all of the 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 places and and kids and student athletes that you've coached, who's kind of on your Mount Rushmore? Like who is, and it could be a, for a variety of reasons. Sure, but but, but can you give us four? four names that you think just really had it either with their attitude, with their style of play or with their just sheer um, talent. Yeah. Well, I'll start with a guy, a fortunate coach that's having a great career now, Matt Judon with the new England Patriots, a uh, multiple pro bowl player. You know, I, I was, I recruited him and was his head coach uh, at grand Valley state. And I've always said this, uh, he was our most talented player, but he was also our hardest working player. And, um, you know, when I look back upon his career, I think he, you know, really helped us. We had a lot of good teams and he was playing, made it to some uh, semifinals and quarterfinals when he was there playing. Wish we could have gone a little bit farther, especially senior year. We lost uh, the chance to go national championship. But uh, when your most talented player is also your hardest working player, I think that can have, be huge. And so I'm glad he's having a lot of success. Um, you know, his story was a story of adversity, youngest of 10 kids. <clears throat> also at Grand Valley towards ACL. I tell people all the time, I think maybe that's one of the best things that happened because, um, you know, he, that really required him to go through a lot of tough stuff on that ACL rehab and made him stronger and a lot of adversity. So that'd be one. There's a guy, probably not a lot of people know that's uh, winning us quarterback all time in college football history named Cullen Finnerty. Colin Finnerty was a quarterback for Grand Valley State for Brian Kelly. And I was an assistant, um, you know, in the transition from Brian Kelly over to Chuck Martin. And uh, just, uh, you know, toughest, one of the toughest players I've been, ever been around at that quarterback position and brought that toughness to him. So definitely, you know, those those two guys would resonate. I'm going to throw a couple of coaches on there, too. Uh, Chuck Martin, who I work for, is now the head coach in Miami, Ohio, was an assistant with Brian Kelly for a number of years. Um, really successful coach. I learned a ton from. I wouldn't be in this position had it not been you know, for some of his leadership and some of the things that, you know, he ultimately <clears throat> really brought to the table. And in the last guy who I have a really tight relationship with played in the NFL for like 10 years, was an undrafted free agent, but really made a mark as a special teams player and had a 10 year NFL career as a guy. If you Google named Dan Scuda, um, just from uh, Flint, Michigan, about as tough as they get. Um, about as gritty and as a grinder as they ever would be and got in with the Bengals and lasted 10 years by just grinding the thing. And just being not as talented as other people, but number one ability is availability and being tough and just to go. And so I've talked about that. He made a mark 10 year career in the NFL based on special teams. Modern day Steve Tasker. Yeah. And so it was, uh, you know, so it's like I just value toughness, grit, grind, guys that can fight through adversity. You know, those two, there's qualities. So those guys, all those guys I have on that are, are people that I've been around that had that. Yeah, grit and grind. Well, I mean, welcome to the grit factory, coach. You you are definitely in the right place. Okay, we're going to get you out of here on this. You've transitioned from being Grand Rapids for a long, long time to being in Madison. 
What is your favorite part about Madison? What's your favorite place to eat so far? Yeah, so I'm not going to lie. The first 10 weeks I was here, I was in a hotel and it was 530 until the lights went out. Yeah, didn't get out a whole lot. I know you've probably heard this from other assistant coaches. Uh, the only place I like, this is probably bad. I've been uh, downtown the old fashioned a couple of times. Um, so I really love the old fashioned. Everyone yeah, loves the old cow fashioned. went down there one time, yeah. but there was a place we were staying at the spring Hill suites down in, I think Hilldale, there's a place called the Hollander yeah. there. And there was a lot of nights where I would just walk to that place. And I thought I had great food. And so I kind of enjoyed going down to the Hollander of that mall a little bit, but I haven't gotten out much. It's bad. It is really bad. I live in Verona now. I bought a house. So I'm down there. And there's a couple places down there. There's a north and south I've been to that was pretty good down there. And not too far from New Glarus. So I got to go down and check out the New Glarus Brewing Company and spend some time down there. And, uh, you know, I do like the spotted cows. So we're going to go out and drink some beers this summer. Well, that sounds like uh, you're in the right place to be, Coach. You're absolutely yeah. in the right place to be. Yeah. Uh, this has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. We really appreciate you uh, taking some valuable time out of your day to, to speak with us. Uh, Fof, I appreciate you. Uh, Pinch hitting for burn today in uh, behind the scenes. I texted Fof at about seven thirty-five, and we're recording this at eight o'clock. So, um, uh, awesome. we, yeah, we uh, we really appreciate you. Uh, we really appreciate everyone listening and watching on the YouTube page. Um, and so, until next time, uh, you've been listening to the Believe in Badgers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. And until next time, on Wisconsin. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.